Yeah, I mean, obviously, you go back to the kind of original sin, which is 2002 and 3, when the CIA disseminated what turned out to be false, with regardless of the motives, that Saddam Hussein had an active nuclear and biological weapons program. We went to war. It turned out, by all accounts, now to be untrue. And that obviously undermined confidence, not just throughout the world, but at home as well, and in the integrity of the intelligence agencies. But I think what really undermined it more than anything was the manufacturing of Russiagate in the 2016 election for purely political reasons. It's one thing to get something wrong on purpose or otherwise, but to interfere in the elections to spew not just one lie, but a series of lies. These are the people who said Trump had communications with Alpha Bank in Russia, that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, uh, that the Q, that the Russians had developed a super hypersonic weapon, the Havana syndrome that caused brain damage in American diplomats. One lie after the next from John Brennan and all those people now makes us, when we need the intelligence services, obviously and reasonably skeptical because we know that they lie all the time. And it's very dangerous that we have no part of our government that we can trust to understand key questions like, who really did blow up this pipeline and why? You know, if you go back to the Obama administration, Dan, I think one of the most overlooked parts of what they did was they waged an actual war on press freedom, not by insulting Jim Acosta and Wolf Blitzer like Trump did, but by bringing out this 100-year-old law, the Espionage Act, and using it to prosecute more whistleblowers than all previous administrations combined, a 100-year law designed by Woodrow Wilson to punish and criminalize opposition to U.S. involvement in World War I. That's what they used. Obviously, Biden was part of that. And this war on whistleblowers has continued. And you're absolutely right. The only people who get the quote-unquote whistleblower title are people who advance the political interest of the U.S. media and the Democratic Party, which is the same thing. People like Vindman, who exposed really nothing of any significance, but people who are actually warning that there's politicized corruption going on in the FBI are people who either vilified or themselves prosecuted or, in this case, ignored because the media itself is an arm of the Democratic Party. I never used to believe that, but since 2015, it's impossible to deny that. The impact of intelligence failures, both domestic and international. Welcome to Training Tuesday, folks, on The Rob Manus Show, and we're live, and we're live on X Spaces with our simulcast. Uh, so we're hearing a lot about intelligence failures like you just heard today because of the thinking about why the Hamas terrorists were able to pull off their war crime operation on October 7th and beyond. It's important we all understand that these are all about because right or wrong, they have and will continue to have an impact on whether U.S. domestic and international policy is both correct and or effective. And we want them to be correct and effective. Leading examples are the focus of U.S. and allied intelligence resources on areas of the world that can lead us all to take our eye off the ball uh, and in other more important areas. And then there's the use of scarce domestic intelligence resources to focus on Americans like those that protested on January 6, 2021, to the exclusion of the influx of illegal alien groups such as the really unusual numbers of Chinese military-aged males that have made it through the U.S. southern border recently. Citizens of the Western democracies are catching on, and they're starting to elect leaders who will address things like illegal and legal immigration policies and the associated intelligence efforts such as Geert Wilder's uh, recent success in the Netherlands. Well, my guest today is retired ambassador to the Netherlands, former congressman and chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Pete Hoekstra. Ambassador Hoekstra, welcome to the Rob Manus Show, sir. Rob, it is, uh, it's an honor to be with you. Looking forward to the discussion. Well, thank you uh, for joining us, uh, and I really do appreciate your time. And uh, I do training Tuesdays, and I've seen a lot of the citizens talk about intelligence failures, uh, not just recently, but all across the board uh, since I've been doing this show. And I used to be uh, an executive in the Air Force intelligence community. Uh, at the uh, the airborne intelligence wing that the Air Force has. So I've worked in it. I've been a, a user of it, obviously. And you've been the chair of the Intelligence Committee. But are we using the right phrase or the, the right uh, adjectives to call these intelligence failures? Could you just lay that down from your perspective uh, as the former chair of the House Intelligence Committee? Is the public using the right term? I think it's an accurate term. I mean, when uh, Hamas comes across the border and brutally executes uh, 12 to 1400 Israelis, 
Uh, and we have no heads up, uh, even the heads of the intelligence agency, uh, they would admit uh, that there was a failure on their part uh, to identify, anticipate uh, these types of attacks. They recognize that their job, or they should recognize, there's some question about whether they still do and whether that's their top priority, uh, but they uh, historically have recognized it is their job to keep America safe they are the tip of the spear in terms of identifying and anticipating threats and thwarting those threats. You worked in the intelligence community, and you know, obviously I spent 10 years in Congress uh, doing oversight of them. Uh, we know that they have spectacular successes that yeah. the American people never hear about, okay? And that's fine. Uh, but when they get it wrong or they miss something, uh, they will be the first to admit Hey guys, we screwed up. Uh, you know, we got we didn't get this one. It may only happen once out of a thousand incidents mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, the intelligence failure is the operative term, and it is appropriate. Have you seen uh, exactly right, sir? In your role on the political oversight side of intelligence. Uh, one of the one of the issues that's always puzzled me is uh, like 9/11, for instance. Uh, you know, I looked at everything after the fact because I worked in the Pentagon and, was, and helped put the response plan together. Uh, so, you know, there were uh, indicators that were reported to certain levels uh, by certain people in the FBI, which is our America's basic uh, domestic intelligence capability that the public is aware of, uh, but the thread got broken. And we see that quite a lot. I've been thinking about the Israeli uh, war a lot recently, trying to just work through in my mind, you know, knowing what I know uh, about the public capabilities. And uh, it looks like it's the same kind of issue. Uh, did you work with the leaders of the agencies to try to address that? Did you guys see that from the political oversight side when they were coming in to talk to you about their failures? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we had a 9-11 congressional inquiry. Uh, I served on that. Uh, and so we had a lot of discussions with the intelligence officials and also uh, people at the operational levels trying to figure out uh, exactly what went wrong. And then we put in place legislation, which was the Intelligence Reform Act of 2004, that passed on a bipartisan basis to try to remedy uh, the failures uh, or the flaws in our intelligence structure uh, that allowed an event like 9-11 to happen and hopefully would have put in corrective actions that would have said never again uh, will we be, will we find ourselves in this position with, uh, you know, uh, that many Americans killed and uh, really no anticipate, you know, again, there were signals, there were cues uh, that yeah. the intelligence committee had, or excuse me, the intelligence community had uh, but as we said, they were never able to connect the dots uh, and to stop the attack. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, one of the other questions that I've had on my mind, that I, and I know my folks in the audience uh, uh, think about this too, is, uh, is uh, how intelligence failures or inappropriate, uh, not inappropriate, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, or, uh, uh, or the the uh, the use of intelligence information in the incorrect way, it, other, other than what it's intended, based on what we saw, like for example, the post 9/11, we made a lot of policy changes based on what we found. Uh, but some of those policy changes that are in place still today were supposed to be temporary, uh, and they've been extended all the way out to today. And a lot of folks have problems with some of these policy decisions that have really uh, taken a real hard uh, look at things like civil rights and individual liberty in our country from their perspective. I know I've talked about it myself. Uh, how do you see uh, as, a, uh, uh, as a political oversight person uh, the, the trail that we've blazed up to this point post 9-11 from a policy perspective, what can we do to make it better because we've obviously made some errors that we're still living with today is what a lot of uh, regular citizens think. Yeah, Congress needs to stand up and say, hey, uh, these things were never intended to be used uh, the way that we're currently using them. Think about uh, 
the, the surveillance of uh, telephone conversations and these types of things. There was, you know, we gave uh, the intelligence community, law enforcement, tremendous powers to monitor, to track, to record, uh, and these types of things, telephone traffic, email traffic, and those types of things. We put in place a whole surveillance umbrella uh, targeted at non-Americans, people outside of the United States of America, people that do not have constitutional protections like Americans do. And what have we found? We have found that the intelligence community, the FBI, uh, and other government agencies, they have done what? They have abused those privileges. And we've seen that multiple times uh, in the, you know, the 20 years since 9-11. And every time they come back and you know, they have to be renewed, uh, Congress renews them and puts back uh, a few more uh, steps to kind of protect uh, American civil liberties and those types of things. And what do we find? Oh, uh, they screwed up again. Uh, they abused it, uh, the FISA court and those types of things. Personally, I think for a number of these items, not that they didn't help keep America safe, which I think they have, but mm -hmm. because of the abuses of our law enforcement agencies and our intelligence community, uh, they have lost the right to have those privileges and they should be stripped away uh, from them. And it's not, it, sh and, you know, it shouldn't be members of Congress being blamed and saying, Oh, you're not keeping us safe. You're not keeping us safe. Yeah. You know, you're taking away these authorities, which is the argument you'll get from the bureaucracy. It's kind of like, no, we gave you those authorities. You abuse them. You abuse the American, you know, the American public. You've lost the right. And if there's a t if there's an attack, it's on your shoulders, not on ours. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, because we come from the same era of time at the, you know, where our service uh, uh, connected post 9-11 and 9-11 uh, and, and have both been parts of the intelligence community. And we were saying the exact same thing, Ambassador. You, I could have said the same words that you, uh, you just said. You're absolutely right. Well, we have a, uh, we have a live I, I audience. I your royalty then, okay? <laughs> I don't get any money off of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> but we do have a live audience. I want to give them an opportunity to ask a question. I try to do it once uh, every segment, uh, and uh, I'm sure they've got some questions. Go ahead, Kat. Kat and Shell are our hosts over in the X Spaces simulcast. Yeah, I actually have a question for you. Um, I watched a documentary. I know I've talked to you about it before, Colonel about specifically 9-11, former CIA directors. One of the higher-ups, not the actual CIA director during 9-11, said that they went to the Oval and reported to you, specifically Condoleezza Rice was in the room, and that they told them it was going to be, there was an attack coming, it was going to be spectacular. They knew they were coming to America. They didn't know exactly when, obviously. Um, and the producer asked him, and what happened? He goes, yeah, what happened? Apparently, according to him, his story is this, is that the information was given and they did nothing with it. And then we always hear 9-11 was an intelligence failure. I was wondering if that ever came up during your time with that commission that you were talking about, or that congressional thing that you sat on. Sorry, lost yeah, my word. The, um, that kind of information, uh, I, you know, 20 years ago, it, uh, you know, the recollection that there were warnings that were presented, but they were never uh, specific. And you bring up a great point, Kat. Um, it's not necessarily intelligence failure, okay? And the intelligence community is responsible for providing policy decision makers with information. And then it's the policy of you know, the decision makers. They are responsible for the outcomes. And so there may be occasions exactly like you said, where the intelligence community uh, has brought information to the policymakers, whether it's in the executive branch or to Congress. Uh, and that information has either been ignored or the wrong decisions and priorities were put in place uh, in response to the information that was provided by the intelligence community. The intelligence community provides information. It should never tell policymakers what to do. It can make recommendations, but it doesn't make policy. That's for elected officials to do. 
Great, great answer to the question, sir. Uh, totally agree with you. Well, I've got to do an ad read real quick, uh, but we'll be right back to you. Uh, we've got to pay for this thing. Uh, and uh, we'll continue the conversation coming up in the next segment, uh, a little short video uh, about the, the uh, Israel-Hamas uh, intelligence figure. Well, listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working. The U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. You can dial 833, the number 2, USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. Well, welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. We're talking with uh, retired ambassador, former congressman, and chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Pete Hoekstra, uh, about uh, intelligence failures uh, that may or may not be uh, failures, but they are part of a system that needs to be worked uh, properly and those kind of things. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, let me show my second clip here uh, before we go into the, the next segment discussion, uh, but this will just add to it. Go ahead with clip two, Disco. Biden and his cronies have lost over $3 trillion of America's retirement savings in 2022 alone. With inflation running rampant and the stock market crashing, do you have a plan to protect your wealth? Our friends at American Alternative Assets help you protect your retirement savings by rolling over your IRA or 401k into a gold IRA. Fact is, you can hold physical gold and silver in your retirement account while maintaining its tax-deferred status. Visit protectfrombiden.com today to get your free wealth protection guide. This guide will give you all the answers you need. American Alternative Assets is an A-plus and accredited member of the Better Business Bureau. Protect your savings now before it's too late. Visit protectfrombiden.com. Individual results may vary. There is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Welcome back to the Rob Meta Show. Uh, Krista, can you pull up clip two, please? Uh, this is live TV, folks, so sometimes you get uh, transmissions that you didn't ask for. This is a massive intelligence failure on the part of American intelligence, and especially on the part of the Israeli uh, intelligence services. They had absolutely no idea this was coming. They transferred three battalions from the Gaza front to the West Bank to protect separate rampages against Palestinians, denuding the, the towns on the southern borders of the Gaza Strip of the people who could have defended uh, against uh, the attack by Hamas. Um, this is one of the great deception operations in modern military history, and it, people are going to teach this. Leaving aside the war crimes, they're going to teach this in, in military academies uh, for years and years to come. Uh, this is on level with the 1973 war in terms of deception and a, a, an entirely mistaken concept on the part of Israelis, thinking that you could do this to Gaza forever and that they would just lie down and take well, Welcome back to the Rob Meta Show. We're talking with Ambassador Pete Hoekstra, uh, a former House Intelligence Chairman and Congressman, about intelligence failures and, uh, uh, and the impact they can have on both domestic and international policy. Well, Ambassador Hoekstra, uh, the whole point of that clip that I wanted to show was uh, uh, where he said the part about deception operations. Uh, now, being a military person, I know that it's part of my standard practice, if I'm doing a military operation, that a deception operation is going to be part of it every single time. We learned that over the years uh, in the American military uh, to do that. Uh, and uh, these guys obviously did that. And that's kind of why I asked the question about intelligence failure. Uh, they were able to pull off a deception operation, but what I haven't been able to figure out yet is, did they 
run a deception operation to get Israel to move those forces to the West Bank versus uh, keeping them on the southern border there with the Gaza Strip. Uh, that would be a very long-term deception operation. Usually these things are short-term. You know, if they were uh, successful and that was part of their plan, it was it was brilliant. Uh, yeah. You know, we hear about the deception plans that, uh, you know, that we ran during World War II and, you know, trying to cover where the invasion was actually going to take place and those types of things. Uh, so, yeah, deceptive actions are, uh, it's part of the intelligence uh, effort. Uh, the opposition tries to deceive their plans and intentions and it's the job of our intelligence community uh, to, you know, to work their way through it. So, uh, you know, I, I've got some, you know, some real questions uh, here. Uh, and it also comes off of the, the Glenn Greenwald, the first uh, segment that you showed in the program today, uh, and some questions that come up. Now, obviously with this one is, you know, number one, Gaza has to be one of the most closely monitored pieces of land in the world by Israeli intelligence and by uh, U.S. intelligence. You know, it's proximity, uh, borders, you know, it borders with uh, with Israel, uh, mm -hmm. as inferred. Uh, we know that the, what's happening there fosters uh, a hatred for for Israel. Uh, so, it, you know, it's a powder keg. Uh, you know that uh, Hamas is affiliated with Iran, that Iran wants to create trouble. So, you know, where was the lack, uh, was there a lack of creativity by the Americans and particular by the Israelis uh, to even imagine the possibility of, a, of an attack on this type of scale? Uh, clearly, the Israelis were not uh, prepared for it. Uh, in terms of gathering intelligence, I know that one of the concerns that I have about American intelligence uh, is we've downplayed human intelligence. Uh, we, you know, we we rely on electronics eavesdropping. We rely on satellites, uh, you know, and all of those types of things. The most effective way to get intelligence is human intelligence. It's also the riskiest, but you know, you've got all of these people coming across the border, gathering weapons, preparing, saying, you know, you go to the concert, you go to this kibbutz, uh, you do this, you know, you fly the paragliders uh, over the border, and all of those types of things. There had to be a, a huge network of planning to get this operation underway. I think if you would have had human intelligence uh, more focused, it, somewhere along the lines, you would have at least had the inclination, the Israelis would have had the inclination, hey, something big is happening. We may not know exactly what it is, uh, but something is big, something big is happening here. Leads me to believe that uh, there was maybe not enough human intelligence uh, in Gaza. On a larger scale, one of the things that concerns me about our intelligence community is what Glenn talked about. It's become politicized. Take a look at what our intelligence community did after the 2016 election, uh, what they did to, uh, you know, the elected president in waiting, Donald Trump, in January of 2017, leaking information about the Russia influence on Donald Trump and those types of things, revealing it to the media. Uh, clearly a, uh, you know, an intelligence operation against a duly elected president of the United States. Then what the FBI and other folks in the intelligence community did before the 2020 elections, what they did with COVID and all of those types of things. I'm, I'm very, very concerned that our intelligence community has become way too politicized. Uh, they have also gotten to the point where I think, uh, you know, if it doesn't fit the narrative, don't mm -hmm. talk about it. We don't want to talk about the threat from Iran from an intelligence standpoint, because it doesn't fit the narrative. The Biden administration, you know, oh, you know, we can do business with Iran. We can get them into a nuclear deal. We can, you know, let's give them $5 billion or whatever the number was uh, to free hostages. That will be used for humanitarian purposes uh, inside of Iran. The intelligence community doesn't believe that for a minute, uh, yeah. but that's the narrative that comes out. Take a look at how long it took them. I don't think they've even said now yet that they've, uh, admitted, uh, or, you know, provided the American public, uh, with a reference point that says this Hamas attack had to be, had to have been aided by Iran. Come on. Anybody who's looking at this can see that 
but because they haven't got the direct intelligence signal from Iran going to Hamas saying, strike now. They're saying, ah, yeah, we really can't link Iran to this. And it's like, you can't? You know, I've changed my life on it. That, yeah. <laughs> that they're linked, uh, they have linkage and they're not talking yeah. about but it doesn't fit the narrative because the Biden administration for three years has embraced Iran, saying, you know, we can do business with them, do the nuke deal, give them the money, let them sell oil and all of that, and everything will be better. No, in reality, uh, it's empowered terrorists uh, in Lebanon, in Gaza, in Yemen, and all of these places, and the intelligence community uh, I'd like this is one where I say I don't I'm not necessarily I'm not sure the well with the leadership in the intelligence community they're bought and paid for by uh, the Biden administration right they're loyal to the agenda rather than to the community which is a huge concern of mine yeah and I think there's some of that uh, a lot of it at the senior military leadership level too you know that's why the you know the the Afghanistan withdrawal worked out the way it did because they went with the political uh, winds of what President Biden was wanting instead of, you know, sticking in there and saying, no, we have to do it this way, uh, you know, which they did with President Trump, from what I understand. And yeah. Do you think, Ambassador Hoekstra, uh, on the Russia issue, uh, that the politicization colored the information getting to Biden about the Ukraine-Russia uh, conflict before it started and now during it, and that that focus that we are over focus on that area uh, with limited I mean intelligence resources like anything else they're limited they're not they're not omnipotent omnipotent and uh, we don't have them but normally we give indications and warning to our allies like Israel our close allies on stuff like uh, this Hamas operation and uh, looks like both countries INW failed completely I'm just wondering and I've wondered it out loud if if uh, we took, it cost us all to take our eye off the ball, because I know we twisted arms in Israel to get their intelligence folks to focus on Ukraine. Yeah, no, uh, it's a great point, uh, because one of the other things that's really concerned me about our intelligence uh, community is that leading up to the 2020 election, our director of national intelligence, people out of his office uh, were meeting regularly with social media companies to deal with what? Misinformation. And as you said, there's limited resources and there's also the law, okay? Yeah. Our US intelligence community, foreign intelligence uh, units cannot, cannot be used domestically. And we have, we have the community and the scary thing is this was under Donald Trump. And, a direct a national director of intelligence uh, who was allowing these meetings to take place rather than just putting their foot down and saying, excuse me, no, you do not work domestically. You know, get your eye back on all the threats in Europe, the threats in the Middle East, Russia, you know, North Korea, China, and those types of places, you know, get out of the United States and shut those offices down today. Absolutely agree. Well, let's go over to uh, the live audience for a question before we take the next break, uh, Ambassador. Uh, go ahead, Kat and Shell. Who do you got up? AJ's got a question for you guys. Hello, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Yes. Uh, thank you, Colonel. Uh, thank you, Kat, for the mic. Uh, esteemed Mr. Ambassador, I have a question for you, sir. Uh, in your opinion, is there any, uh, or why do you think uh, the United States intelligence community put uh, so much trust on the information that came out of uh, uh, Rafid al-Janabi, the, uh, the Iraqi uh, chemicals engineer with a German citizenship that defected uh, from Iraq in 1999, where uh, his DIA nickname and in U.S. intelligence community is known as the curveball. Uh, it was just one guy, and uh, I was just wondering why. Why do we? Why do we put so many eggs in just one basket? With that, I yield. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, thanks for for the question. You guys are taking me way back in history today, man. But uh, you know, going back to curveball, I, I think you know what it was clear. Uh, you know, again, in hindsight, 
that the answer that the Bush administration wanted from the intelligence community was Saddam Hussein has an active program dealing with weapons of mass destruction. That, you know, it's kind of like one of these things that, you know, okay, here's the answer. The answer is, yes, they have a weapons of uh, mass destruction program that threatens the United States. Uh, it threatens uh, other folks within the Middle East. It provides enough rationale uh, for us to go to, uh, for us to go to war. And, you know, the, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's really frightening uh, that rather than speaking truth to power, which is the job of the intelligence community, it seems that they become intimidated uh, by, uh, by the power coming from the executive branch and coming from the White House. We saw the same thing, okay? Perhaps uh, when, you know, Barack Obama decided to overthrow uh, Gaddafi in Libya. I'd met with Gaddafi three times uh, between 2003 and 2010. Uh, he wasn't the nicest guy, but he was assisting us in taking down uh, radical Islamist networks, providing us with all the information on uh, the shoot down of, Pan, of the Pan Am flight, and also uh, turned over his weapons program, nuclear weapons program, all of those things. Uh, and then what did we do? We pulled the rug out because uh, the reporting from quote unquote, our intelligence community and uh, from the uh, reporting from our European allies was that he was threatening the lives of his civilians, uh, the people of Libya. Uh, not true, not in, in that, it was in no great, they were in no greater danger at that time than what they were for the, all of the years that Gaddafi was in power uh, anyway, but the, our European allies uh, and Obama had the answer. And the answer is Gaddafi needs to go. Uh, and we saw how that turned out. It's still a mess. It sure is. It's a big, huge mess that it's contributing to everything else that's going on uh, in the uh, Middle East. Well, sir, we got to take another commercial break. When we come back, though, we're going to bring it closer to home and back to the domestic intelligence discussion because the Chinese Communist Party, I think, has achieved the greatest penetration of American civil society that any foreign adversary has ever done. Uh, and uh, I know you've got some thoughts on that, so I want to get your thoughts uh, out to the audience on that. We'll be right back with The Rob Vaina Show. you're like me and you want to be prepared for the unexpected. That's where the wellness company's emergency medical kit comes Over in. Over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. Medical emergency kits with ivermectin. The kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in the event of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, or like an apocalyptic situation. These are the actual medications that you would need in the event of certain situations. So they've got emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics. Well, we see these 
surveillance balloons flying over the United States. Now we're shooting more objects out over Alaska saying what could possibly be coming into the United States. You talk about having an epicenter for Chinese corporations right in the center of North America between Canada, between the United States. This is dangerous. Welcome back to the Rob Mena Show, and we're talking about uh, intelligence failures and their impact on a domestic and international policy for the United States, our allies, every uh, every uh, uh, nation state, uh, quite frankly, with uh, former ambassador uh, to the Netherlands uh, and congressman and, and chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Pete Hoekstra. Uh, uh, ambassador Hoekstra, I know you're from Michigan, uh, and I've seen you uh, make some comments about these Chinese uh, uh, electronic uh, vehicle factories, these battery factories and everything. Uh, your take on the level of penetration that the Chinese Communist Party uh, has achieved inside American society, How, I mean, not even considering the foreign intelligence part of it uh, uh, as we look out to look for adversaries, but what's happening within the country uh, is really a big concern to me now. I think we may have lost the ambassador. Okay, they're frozen on the tech side, folks, and uh, cannot uh, get his mic unmuted. So we'll uh, see if they can get it uh, fixed and running. Let's go ahead and go to the hand that's up while uh, uh, they're working on that tech issue. Go ahead, Kat, Michelle. Go ahead, James. Okay, can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I would like to be a solution to a problem. Uh, I was listening to everything going on and um, I love America. I'm just a regular guy born and raised here. Um, long story short, America has a system in place that's not being used currently in the manner that I'm proposing. Now, it's like a big sports team all over the world. Every country is its own sports team. China's playing against us. Russia's playing against us. We're playing against them. They want to win. So we've got to think, you know, about solutions in our defense, right? Well, our EMP, right, the attacks, they could do EMP attacks. Everybody knows this. It's a big concern. So what I'm proposing, uh, I messaged uh, some folks about it. I haven't really been able to get anybody back on it. It's a solution to CME or EMP attacks for our country. Imagine, if you will, our telephone poles. They connect every town and every city. Hundreds of millions of telephone poles, wooden telephone poles, right? Imagine putting the right tech at the top of those telephone poles. We already have the technology. It's just a matter of putting it at the right tech in the right places in the right telephone spots connecting it like a blanket. Imagine America being blanketed by these telephone poles with the right tech atop their EMP gobblers. We do not send EMP, these would be receivers, gigantic EMP receivers. Uh, we would still probably lose my estimation on some of the tests I did on the model I made. Uh, you could test it out on a small town, a small abandoned town, put this tech at the top of the telephone poles, do a small pinch from an EMP, and then you would see what's saved and what's not. But in my estimation, 70% of our electronics could be saved, maybe 25 to 30% lost still with a, even an explosion, a nuclear explosion above our country for the EMP attacks. But this is something I've been proposing. I follow Nikola Tesla and some mm -hmm. other folks. And I came up with this idea. I've been trying to throw it around to some people. And on the models that I've made, it's worked out pretty well. I just don't want okay. to give it away online and talk about what I did without no, don't do that. a Chinese dude listening to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't do that. Well, we've got the ambassador back. Uh, uh, I appreciate the question. Uh, I, I really didn't hear a question, but the, the issue of EMP, uh, Ambassador Hoekstra, and the Chinese, uh, if they attack, it's a, it's a major pillar of any strategy that they have against a nation state the size of ours, especially ours, uh, that they're going to use EMP attacks and, uh, uh, and our, our our uh, audience member was talking about an idea uh, to uh, protect our utilities uh, from EMP attack, because we know uh, 
uh, that uh, if we're attacked by EMP, anything not protected is going to be down, and that pretty much brings modern society to a complete stop. And I want to tie that to what I was asking about the Chinese penetration of American civil society, uh, sir, and that is uh, with all of these military-age males from China getting through our southern border since Biden's come into office, and the last number I saw from Fox News said about 26,000 known uh, uh, in the last three years, uh, that, puts, that could put us in grave danger uh, under a, an attack from the Chinese, uh, considering their EMP focus. Uh, and all of these folks are out there organizing maybe as cells to go after our utility system. And yeah, we, uh, a totally inappropriate term. Known, you know, uh, known illegal. Okay. Yep. People that we know have come across the border illegal. Known illegals is like, there, there's something wrong with, you know, and, but the bottom line is the unknown is probably double or triple that number. All right, but that's how our that's how our law enforcement is talking under this administration. You know, hey, we know that twenty six thousand people got here uh, illegally, and uh, you know we we have no idea how, who they are or what uh, how many other illegals have come across here. But the but the issue here is China penetration. Uh, think about what's happening with these battery plants, and if you think that China uh, is uh, it actually has an upper hand, right? Right. They got the state of Michigan, our legislature, to fund them to the tune of $4 billion. Legislators, business leaders, and those types of things uh, signed non-disclosure agreements. Republicans and Democrats supported it. Ford Motor is you know, complicit in this. Uh, business leaders on the other side of the state, uh, the side of the state that I live in, where the other battery plant is being built, uh, they're strongly in favor of this economic development in a critical technology under the control of the Chinese. And why? It's money. Okay, uh, we'll carve out fifty million dollars for you know for you as a business group. Uh, that you can use to help support this, but you get discretion as how you will spend it. Uh, and you know, the Goshen, one of these two plants that's being built, uh, they just went out, it was just announced in the last day or two, they just went to Washington and hired two of the top-notch uh, you know, lobbying firm mm -hmm. to lobby Congress, for Congress to give more money and open up the rules and regulations so that more money can go to these Chinese companies. And we're letting it happen. We're, you know, you got the State Department, the uh, uh, China, you know, the greatest threat that America faces. Our FBI uh, has said that, you know, from an economic standpoint, uh, these folks cheat every day. They're, they're a great threat. And yet we're allowing China to come in, hire our lobbyists, Republicans and Democrats, to go to Congress, and to get more money. Uh, I'd call that a pretty successful penetration. Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, what, do you, what do you think about the, uh, uh, the uh, select committee on the CCP that Mike Gallagher is, is running? Uh, I, mean, I mean, at least we're doing something there is what I hear a lot. Uh, but, you know, he didn't go after Sequoia Capital uh, until it became more widely known how tied they were to the CCP. Uh, uh, initially, uh, because of politics, is what it looks like to us. Well, I, I can tell you that uh, Gallagher, uh, the congressman, where the Goshen plan is going, John Molinar, uh, they they've been heroes on this um, because they've really been focused on this. They're doing uh, more oversight and investigations and trying to uncover this. Uh, but you know, the the real heroes in this process, grassroots local Americans. Uh, they said, we don't want you in our community. You know, you're a national security threat. Uh, you're a threat to our environment. Uh, you're going to change the very nature of our community. We are a rural community. We don't want a mega site. We don't want one plant with 2,500 employees in it. Uh, that's not for us. And what do they do? They recalled the township trustees. We had the election three weeks ago. It wasn't even close. 70%. They, they, feel, they repealed the uh, 
provision that the previous township board had put in place uh, allowing for uh, the, the construction permit and the water permit. And it's like, hallelujah. Uh, you know, you can maybe fool the people in Washington. You can maybe fool our brilliant lobbyists, or you can bribe them to come work for you. But we're grassroots America. You're not going to come into our community and screw us up. We're going to do everything that we can to stop to stop you. We don't trust you. We don't want. We don't like what you're doing to our environment, and we don't like what you're doing to our community. Hallelujah, grassroots Americans, uh, the Minutemen of uh, you know 2023. They're going to save America uh, from the Chinese threat, and eventually the folks in Lansing and in Washington will get the message. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's it's going to happen if it's not happening all over the country, Mr. Ambassador. Uh, uh, one of the things, though, about uh, uh, about domestic intelligence, you know, I just watched a clip earlier today of Chris Ray talking about and confirming that any Chinese company is run by the Chinese Communist Party, in effect. It doesn't matter uh, or anything. Uh, but his domestic intelligence operation isn't focused on the Chinese or any really external uh, adversaries like it should be. Uh, let's show clip four, Disco, if you can bring it up real quick. Very own intelligence agencies, our own intelligence agencies in the United States of America have determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy, is the greatest terrorist threat to our homeland today. I've been around a while. I never thought I'd hear that or say that. Enough. We need to say clearly and forcefully, white supremacy, all forms of hate fueled by violence have no place in America. Fair to call it out is complicity, my dad would say. If your silence is complicity, we can't remain silent. And as we, as we talked about earlier, intelligence resources are limited, especially on the domestic side. I mean, we intentionally have, a, uh, have, have not created a, a, a burgeoning uh, domestic intelligence operation until the last, really, decade, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but Chris Ray doesn't talk about that. He talks about what Biden was just talking about, is these threats from white supremacists, which I got to be honest with you. Uh, I've looked at that uh, in my military career because we had to, to make sure we didn't have an insider threat. Uh, and the, the numbers on that are infinitesimal, in, <laughs> so small you can't even see it. I'll just say it that way. And we have FBI whistleblowers uh, blowing the whistle on these guys saying, now they're padding the numbers on that to make it look like that. Well, if they're messing around uh, from a political perspective, and Ray knows the Chinese have penetrated so much that he knows their companies are run by the CCP, and, and we're not spying on them and catching them and rolling them up and getting them the hell out of here. Uh, that is a problem. Uh, and uh, I just wonder what you're, as a former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, you watch this stuff, and you have to be doing like I'm doing, just shaking your head going, what are you doing? Well, number one, I shake my head because we have the President of the United States saying our intelligence community has determined that uh, white supremacists are the most significant threat uh, to domestic you know, or the largest threat for terrorism. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. You know, when he says intelligence community, what, what do people hear? They hear the director of national intelligence. They hear the CIA. They hear NSA uh, and those types of agencies. And guess what? They have no license to operate in the United States of America against Americans or against anybody within our borders. They have to operate outside of our borders. So number one, Mr. President, get your language accurate. It's not our intelligence community. It's our law enforcement community uh, that has made that determination. Our domestic, our domestic law enforcement has decided that the greatest threat to our domestic security uh, is intel is you know white supremacy. Okay, go ahead and make that assessment. All right, but don't imply that you that the intelligence community has made a global risk assessment that says compared to you know radical Islam, Russia, China, and all of these other things uh, that they've de determined that the white supremacy is more of a threat than any of these other things. They're not in a position to make that threat because they're not, they're not tasked 
with evaluating domestic threats. That's law enforcement. That's a wall that is between uh, domestic and international intelligence and, and those types of things. So get your language right. Uh, the other thing is, it's hard to imagine. I don't even know how many people are coming across the border uh, illegally anymore uh, every day, uh, that we have no idea who they are. Uh, you know, we, what we do know is they are they're from China, they're from Iran, they're from around the world. I think we've identified people from over 100 countries coming in. Uh, you know, these are the known unknowns. <laughs> and, you know, the, uh, and then we've got the unknown unknowns. Uh, that are a bigger threat. Uh, you know, that's not a threat to our, our national security, a threat for terrorism. It bothers me every day. One of these days we're going to have, uh, well, you already see it, you know, uh, individual acts of uh, criminal activity. Uh, who are these people? Oh, they were, uh, they're illegals. They got into the country illegally. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we're now doing it to the tune of, you know, multiple millions per year. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't put it in context and it's what you and I talked about earlier, it fits the political narrative. It, you know, white supremacists, uh, well, you know, aren't those kind of like really right-wing conservatives? And aren't conservatives in favor of particular candidates? Uh, so aren't these particular candidates really part of this threat to America, uh, this threat to quote-unquote democracy that they talk about, uh, that's coming from the right wing? Uh, you know, they don't want to talk about the policies. They want to demonize people uh, at, on the right, on the political spectrum. We're seeing the same thing in the Netherlands at this point, where, uh, you know, uh, after their election results, uh, you know, that Gerrit Wilders is a threat uh, to democracy in the Netherlands. Uh, I don't think so. The Dutch are going to be fine. Uh, they're going to have to deal with this election outcome. Uh, but uh, Herod Wilders or no single political party in the Netherlands that's controlling 25% of parliament uh, is going to fundamentally change the democratic nature of the Netherlands. Uh, they're too strong for that to happen, but yet it's a fear uh, that uh, a number of people are raising in the Netherlands. Yeah, they're saying the same thing about the gentleman that just won the uh, Argentinian uh, presidential election. And they say the same thing about Donald J. Trump. It's very interesting. What really bugs me, though, is, uh, and I know it does you too, because we know how 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 uh, how these types of activities drive policy decisions and drive funding uh, for different things, and that's how they're getting away with uh, what you talked about by targeting uh, center right, right right of uh, center, uh, Trump supporters, MAGA people, they call them. Uh, you know, and the FBI has even planted quotes and articles in Newsweek of all places a few weeks ago bragging about uh, how they're targeting uh, those kind of folks, uh, which is like me and you, really. I mean, when you look at it, you sure. know. Uh, under Obama, I forget her name, what uh, Lerner, Lois Lerner, uh, using IRS to target conservatives. Why? Because conservatives are a threat uh, to the security of America. Uh, and you have the same thing happening now under Joe Biden. Uh, you know, and, and the scary thing is that it's not only coming from government, but it's also coming from some of our business leaders. You know, to have, you know, think about it. Our business leaders, our social, a number of our social media giants who can, in many ways, have a huge influence on the messaging uh, leading up to an election. They were meeting with an administration to identify disinformation, in effect, saying what could and could not uh, or, or should or should not be shared with the American people. You had the 51 intelligence, quote unquote, professionals uh, right. who said the Hunter Biden laptop uh, was Russian disinformation when the FBI knew that it was real. Uh, but they never stood up and said that. Uh, and the scary thing is these folks that said it's Russian disinformation, now they're now denying it and saying, well, you know, we, we never said it actually was. We said it has the characteristics of Russian <laughs> disinformation. Well, they na there's now a number of them that serve uh, in, you know, key roles within the Biden administration. So they've already, you know, they've already set the example. We will do, you know, I'll, I'm sorry, but they're saying we will do anything to win. Yeah, uh, that's exactly that, right. That, that's, exactly. a, that's a scary place to be. 
Uh, and that's where we're at, sir. Uh, that's really where we're at. Uh, you know, I, I hear from folks every single day, you know, spouses of January 6th political prisoners is what they call them. And, uh, and I agree with them, uh, especially folks that have been held incarcerated for trespassing uh, without, before the trial even, uh, you know, and those kind of things. Uh, the uh, one last question. Uh, about and it's about FISA 702, the upgraded version the FBI got uh, uh, more powerful uh, uh, authorities under that. Uh, I think I'm an advocate now of uh, that being eliminated at this point uh, and, and having a reform of the FISA court system and, and uh, the warrant system so that it's focused on, as you mentioned earlier, our external enemies. And, and yes, if they get into the country, yes. Uh, but on our adversaries externally is what it ought to be focused on. Yeah, and uh, I didn't state it as clearly as what uh, what you just did, but uh, what I was referencing, you know, taking away certain authorities that were given to the FBI and law enforcement uh, as a result of 9-11, uh, some of these have to just be stripped away because uh, our law enforcement community has shown themselves unable to be disciplined and apply, it, apply the rules uh, appropriately and legally. Uh, and then they come back and say, ah, you know, we really need this to keep America safe. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do better next time. And it's kind of like, ah, no, you've said that two, three, four times before. And every time you uh, say that, it actually gets worse. Uh, I agree. Take the authority away. Uh, and whatever damage it does to uh, our national security, our ability to stop a terrorist attack, it lays on the back of our law enforcement authority who abuse the rights that we uh, that Congress gave them uh, and used it against American citizens. Uh, it's much more dangerous to empower our bureaucracy with the tools to go after Americans uh, uh, under the guise of their protecting us from outside threats. Uh, they've, I'm sorry, they've, they've just, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, I'm disappointed that our law enforcement community uh, has behaved in such a way. Uh, the tools need to be taken away from them. They can't be reformed. I agree. I, I'm not sorry either that I call for it. Either. There, there is no re reforming possible uh, once you cross that line. Uh, it's too late. Uh, and a Congress can do it. That's who I'm most disappointed in, is the Republican Congress has the ability uh, to take funds away from that and uh, and not approve any re-ups uh, of right. the FISA 702 authorities. They have, that, they have the ability to do it. Uh, and uh, just aren't getting it done. Well, sir, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh, uh, really uh, fantastic. Sorry about the, the uh, technical glitch there in the middle, but uh, we got it out. Anyway, uh, how can people find you on social media and uh, anything they can do to help you with the work that you're doing? Because you're doing really good work. Yeah, no, I think uh, I write a lot on uh, the Gatestone, uh, Gatestone Institute. Look there. They can follow me on Twitter at Pete Hookstrup. The, um, you know, uh, we're, we're really putting together right now the whole communications plan on fighting China, because not only want, do we want to fight Chinese penetration into the United States into critical issues, uh, but I think many of your listeners would be disappointed to hear that, you know, right now as we're starting to hear about a new virus, uh, pneumonia virus, uh, pneumonia uh, yeah. virus threatening kids and seniors, which seems to be coming out of China, we're more dependent on China for our medical equipment and those types of things than what we were four years ago. Uh, Donald Trump uh, and especially the Biden administration made a commitment to reshoring a lot of this stuff. It's not mm -hmm. going in there. Uh, we need to reshore and that's where we're going next for, for those things that China dominates that are absolutely essential to the security and health of America. We need to reshore those products back to the United States or to our allies. We can't be dependent on China. Yeah, we absolutely do. I've been writing about it since March of 2020, uh, uh, about that very thing. So we appreciate you. Uh, well, thanks, sir. Uh, thanks for coming on. I hope I get to have you back at some point in the future. Uh, it's been a great show. Great. Well, always willing to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, that was Ambassador uh, Pete Hoekstra, former congressman, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, talking about intelligence failures and its impact on foreign and domestic policy. Uh, a fascinating discussion. Tomorrow, uh, we will have uh, the man who's a U.S. Army veteran that's helped bring more of the whistleblowing from the military about COVID and other crazy uh, woke policies being implemented on our young military members. 
than anybody else, in my opinion. His name is uh, Sam Shoemaker. It uh, went by Terminal CWO for a long time anonymously. It's going to be a fascinating discussion with him tomorrow on Whistleblower Wednesday. And until then, Tucker can only laugh. Ha, ha, ha.